Hey everyone, welcome back to the i5 Corridors Traffic Report. Tyson here. Before we get going, I just wanted to say a quick thank you to everyone. Uh, today is the second birthday of the i5 Corridor, and just from the amount of subscribers we've earned in these two years, and the retention rate, and the reader engagement, um, to the response in mailbags, to just the, the personal emails I've gotten from a lot of you, uh, thank you so much for the support. It it really means everything. This is this is the job that I've wanted to carve out. This is the job that I've wanted to carve out, and we're getting there. We're we're really getting there, and it, it wouldn't be possible without any of you. So thank you so much to everyone who has read and subscribed and listened, and please just keep keep spreading the word. I5corridor.com. I uh, can't wait for this season, but let's just get to it. There's plenty of stuff to address other than waxing poetic about a Substack's birthday. So let's get to it. Hey, happy Wednesday, everyone, and welcome back to the I-5 Corridor's Traffic Report. Tyson Alger here, joined by Shane Hoffman. It's the two-year anniversary of the I-5 Corridor. Shane, what'd you get me? I got you my, uh, well, I actually resubscribed. I, I saw that. I saw that. Thank you. I was yeah. able to eat dinner last week. I resubscribed, and I'm here in your home recording a podcast, and you'll have a story for me this week, and I'm going to cover Oregon Season Opener for you. Quite the package. That, it's that like I, a little advent that, calendar. That, that, that actually is a little. I, I appreciate the balloons uh, that you came with. Oh, yeah. It, it, felt, it really felt like a clown car. I didn't realize <laughs> that that many balloons could fit in a Miata, but... There you go, exposing yeah. what I'm driving. Um, how are you doing, man? It's, it's been a couple of weeks since we since we did one of these in person together. Um, you were gallivanting around the East Coast. How you been? How was the rest of your summer? This this is kind of the, the 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 finale of the summer. I don't know if you look around. Yeah. It's gray outside, and it's not even smoky anymore. It's 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 a little cool. I put on a sweatshirt this morning. It was great. Yeah, all Miata joke aside, I've been uh, I've been traveling. I've been all over the place. Um, that was good. I feel like it was it was nice for me to be able to refocus on work because it's been kind of a, a laid back summer, like I said the last time we recorded. So I'm I'm definitely locked back in now. And as much as there's a lot of monotony in previewing football at all levels, um, it is it is that time of year where I start to get that little kind of tingle. It's not quite fall here yet, yeah. but I'm getting pretty excited. Can, can you give me the, the 30 second rundown on the Roosevelt Rough Riders? I, I saw your 6A preview. They, they're just a couple blocks north of here. It's, it's the hometown team in the quarter. Oh, you know, they'll compete for a, a PIL uh, league title, I think. And I, I, I did these many, many previews on every single 6A team in the state. Um, which is nice because I feel like I actually have a, a little bit of a grasp on what to expect this year. And I, I didn't last year because I came to the scene too late and started freelancing a little bit late. Um, but, you know, it's probably going to be the same six teams at the top of the state again. You and I actually both had O bylines this week because I did the Timbers game Sunday night. That's right. Which ended up being, um, I wasn't expecting to be in like the final press conference of their head coach's Timbers career. That's right. Um, but as I was texting their sports editor, like Joel Odom, like 20 minutes into the game, I was like, I, I can file now for you. I think they were down like 4-0 after like the first 30 minutes. And it was a uh, it was a pretty interesting Zoom to be on, too, because there was a lot of like, this is my fault, but like the players have to play hard. It was like, right. it was very like, you could kind of sense that uh, he might have 
felt it coming. <laughs> so, well, here, let me ask you that real quick. I was planning on trying to get another game or two in this summer just, you know, for, for shits and giggles. What's going to happen? Are they going to hire someone new right away? Is it going to be an interim situation? How does that kind of work? Look, man, I they, they, they hire me to cover a few games. No, um, I, I would imagine it would be an interim situation until the end of the year. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that... From from last offseason, they gave him a massive contract extension, and this was after, like, it was a pretty, like, offseason of turmoil for the Timbers with the Merritt Paulson stuff and, and the will-they-won't-they-sell-the-thorns, and now they have a coaching search on top of it. Um, yeah. It's been a pretty uh, precipitous fall for these soccer teams, and you've got all this Blazers stuff. It's not a, it's not a fantastic time to be a... Local sports. This, this, this is why everyone needs to get behind Portland State and the upcoming upset of Orton. No, that's not. <laughs> I loved your uh, your piece with Bruce Barnum as always, though. I uh, I mean that's kind of my yearly tradition. Is right. if, if I'm ever feeling down about college football or just like or or this job and need a good quote or just like to have a conversation with somebody who's not afraid to be on the record about like when they talk. Right. Uh, Bruce Barnum's as good as they get. And I think their team's going to be better this year. Like, they're always fairly optimistic, but it's also really hard to tell at the FCS level because... Yeah. Like, do you want to do the... I think like, they, do I you think do they like the cover t- podcast. Oh, I thought you were going to see if you want to do, like, the, the too deep. Um, I what is Do they have a line yet? I'm not even sure. I haven't looked. Man, I was actually just rereading... Um, I was going back and reading, like, the most popular stories from the last year, and the, the top one is the the Marcus Mariota one I did last year. Yeah. Where uh, Marcus got all upset at uh, Atlanta Radio for... They were asking him if, do you think they'll cover? And right. Marcus was like, oh, I think they'll win. Like, uh. <laughs> what like, that that didn't work out for him, and that, that season didn't really work Not out great. for them all that well. Yeah, uh, what else was in the, the top kind of group there? I'm curious. Sorry, what was that? What else was in the top group of the stories that you kind of went back through from the last year? Um, the most read gamer I had was the UCLA win. Is that the Ducks are back? Yeah, so yeah. so the Ducks are back, and I'm not gonna lie, I reread that one too, and like that was that was some good writing. That was that was. I'm gonna have to pull it up just to, just to remind myself. It was it was college game day was in town. That was a fantastic weekend. Yeah, that like yeah. that that that's that's what I'm looking. For. I, I think this time of year for for sports writers, there's always a little bit of mourning of the summer that we had, mm. and you know the the rounds of golf that won't be played on Saturdays coming up. But when I think of like what really gets me going about college football season, it's it's days like that where yeah. it's just there's a little bit of crispness in the air. The city's kind of buzzing, like yeah. from Portland to Eugene, and it's it's a little tougher these days to get like the whole corridor buzzing like that. But like that that was one of those games where it felt like even like even in Portland there was a general awareness that this was a big game going on, and I think that was um, replicated in probably the interest of that story. Well, to spin it forward, that's definitely going to be the vibe I'm expecting and hoping for Oregon USC. Oh, absolutely. As your phone dings. As my phone, phone dings. I think so that um, that might be the game that I kind of picked to just go experience in the stadium this year because you'll no doubt be covering it from the booth. I believe Oregon State doesn't have a big game that weekend, but um, that should be a great one. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you think of the billboard? The billboard, sorry, billboards, plural. plural. I like the, the the one that I'm seeing pictures of in Dallas, where it's like two different buildings. There, there's there's just got to be some people who aren't online all the time, like we are, 
that just happens to see the one building and not at the right That's angle what or whatnot. Thinking, and they're yeah. probably just like, what the hell is it? Yeah. You know what? The way I was thinking about the billboard thing is from, because we're on Twitter all the time. You and me are doing sports writing. I went to Oregon. I've just been around the brand for a while. And I'm thinking about it from the perspective of people in these cities in Dallas and New York. I think there are two spots, right? Is there a third one already? Uh, there's not a third one online. They're saying that. There's rumors to be one coming in L.A. Too. Okay, I would yeah, that makes sense. That would be hilarious. Put it in uh, USC's backyard. Yeah. Um, God, what a fuck you that would be. <laughs> um, but I'm just like trying to imagine it from perspective of, of not even just casual sports fans, but just casual people in general. You see that, oh, like I, there's some... There's some kind of wonderment there that I think is yeah. kind of exciting, you know. I I I love it. I think it's creative. Um, kind of hitting on that. Uh, I had Justin Ferguson on the podcast a few weeks ago. He's from the Auburn Observer, and he grew up an Oregon fan because of stuff like that. It's just like there's certain things that resonate, and um, you know, I think for all of us here that have been on the West Coast forever, you kind of forget that for people on the east coast or even the south like this feels like a whole different world like they, like, like this is this is that team out in the pacific northwest middle of nowhere and uh oregon has a history of doing these things and i think doing like the the one billboard a week and hitting it in different cities like it's really hard for oregon to outdo itself and i, I think it it runs into that with the jerseys because mm-hmm. it's like how do you keep innovating or or turning heads when people expect you to do that but like i really like this thing and i really like its timing too with the ascension to the big 10 it's like oregon oregon oregon's i think oregon long considers itself a school that kind of outgrew the pac-12 not necessarily in the fact that it wanted to like blow it up but it just kind of grew its own brand and uniqueness and whatever and i think that's what it really wants to portray to the rest of the country as it moves yeah. into this big 10. Cause like, I don't, again, I don't even think that this is strictly a Heisman campaign. I mean, everyone, everyone will say it is because it's Bo Nix and he's going well, to be in the Heisman, he's going to be in the Heisman yeah. race. But like, I, I think it's, um, I think it's a very popular university promoting the most, one of the most popular players in the country. Like I, yeah. it's, it's, it's a layup and anybody who like, I, uh, Dwight James had tweeted that like, this was a waste of money and it wasn't innovative and, Sure. What what would make you think something was innovative or could use some right. money? Like this outside of conference realignment, this has been the most talked about thing in college football for like the last two weeks. Absolutely. It's funny because my trip back home to the Midwest to Ann Arbor, um, a Big Ten college town, was uh, all these all these family friends and relatives. It, it coincided right with the realignment stuff. So I'm getting people asking me how I feel about it. I'm asking them how they feel about it, and it is amazing because like there's a lot of respect from the Big Ten fans. You know, I I was around Michigan State fans, Michigan fans, some Indiana fans even, and they all were like really excited that Oregon was coming. Um, and I think maybe even a little scared once I kind of elaborate on how much talent on paper Oregon's bringing to that conference that outside of the top few teams is not all that talented on paper. Um, it's exciting. And I, I think going off what you're saying, I mean, it's a brand that people know about and I think are excited to see more of in the, in, the, in this day and age where it's less, there's, it's just, it, the phenomenon of Oregon like 10 years ago was just different. Yeah. 
And now I'm I'm curious to see how Oregon, starting with this billboard thing, kind of reinvents itself for the next ten years. It, 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 it's almost like, um, it, like anytime like Apple comes out with a new iPhone, yeah. it's like it's like it's the best one ever. But like the amount of like that it's changed from like the first time yeah. one came out, it's like you you it's it's hard to kind of find what that next thing is for you, especially when you're competing against your past history. And hate it or love it, you're always going to buy the new one, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, the other thing I thought about this, too, and this will kind of jump into our next topic, is if you're if you're a school who's putting your quarterback on billboards and spending this money and turning heads, you better be pretty damn confident that that offense is going to be playing pretty well and that quarterback is going to be playing really pr- pretty well and your team is represented well. So I don't really hold it against Dan Lanning if he's feeling a little stressed lately. Um, I wasn't at Saturday's media availability uh, after Oregon's second scrimmage of the year, but it was a clip that kind of made the rounds a bit uh, within Oregon fandom and other reporters. I got several texts from people, but um, Dan was pretty, pretty, pretty short. I think that's it's fair to say. Fair word. Um, I think he was relatively disrespectful. Yeah. Um, because none of those were prying questions. They were just asking how did the scrimmage go? And I think the the, the one that really got me was Dan said like the defense played well and uh, a reporter, Jared Denny, like followed up just like Excellently phrased. I texted him, I was like, I, I don't think you could have phrased it any better. Yeah, it, it was it was a very it was a very safe question. Like it, it wasn't prying, it wasn't like you know that there are specifics that coaches outline like these are the things I'm not going to answer it's like injuries or like like it, it wasn't anything specific about any player it he was, said what he said he said something like um you mentioned they played well in what facets of the game right do you it's, think they out yeah it's just like you know we're just we're just trying to write our stories and this isn't Jared Prine um and I didn't think Dan took that that well and he the next like three responses to questions were pretty short and well he said you guys are really digging in on this and that's what frustrated me so so yeah like i it's frustrating i i didn't care for it but i i'm also gonna come on this podcast and say like guys us in the media like we're not gonna get sympathy from anyone bitching about this online like it's it's (laughs) like if there's if there's one thing like a fan base will completely rally against it's the I don't care what my coach says to the media as long as they win football Absolutely. games. But that brings it back around to the as long as you win football games. So um, if, if if this is the approach that Dan wants to take and um, it works for him and it's tactical, like, sure, like, go for it. But um, I, I legitimately think that, like, I, I think one of the things that, like, that didn't, go Helfrich's way super well was when things were stri- like Helfrich kept everyone at like an arm's length too. Like you never really got to know them all that well, not to this level, but I always feel like that when coaches like don't develop those bonds and then things start going wrong and then they wonder why, like it's a lot easier for media to pile on with like negative questions. It's like, right. well, like we've never really got to um, learn her- who the human is. <laughs> right. Yeah. As your dog closet the door yeah and i was it kind of made me miss cristobal not like from a sense of oh this guy's just such a cool guy to be around but like you ask a pretty pointed positive or in inquirative question if I, that's even a word um with mario and he would give you a good answer usually end with you know that's another guy whose best football is in front of him yeah, every time but mario mario was an expert salesman yeah yeah 
And he knew how to promote his players, and it made writing about them easier. Yeah, and I, the thing I want to be clear too is like, Dan can do whatever he wants. Like this is the route he chooses, mm. um, and I don't think it makes him a bad coach or a bad person or whatever. It's just it's just a choice, and it's it's a choice too that you know I think hurts the fan base in some regards, just because there's a whole lot of interest in college football. Yeah. They're very they're very aware of it. It's also why Dan's getting paid $7.5 million a year. If it pains him that much that a 10-minute press conference where he's probably earning like $650 like per <laughs> that 10 minutes, probably. not that I did the math, um, is that uncomfortable for him? When, And I say this as a member of the Oregon Press Corps, like we're soft. Like, like no one's like... Like, yeah, he's not getting lobbed any hard questions yeah, ever. So, I don't know. I it, it's just been an interesting discussion the last few days because I, yeah. I definitely see both sides of it, and and being a little bit more removed and not having to do the day to day reporting too. Like there are certain things where it's just like there are questions that are asked that it's just like you know that's not going to get answered. Like right. so, like I understand some of the frustrations there, but yeah, yeah, and, and I absolutely do too, and that's why I wonder if it was. Boiling over, like, this practice time, this this summer time right now, it's like it's a lot of just um, foreshadowing and guessing and projecting things. And so he's having to go out there every day and talk about that. And Dude, talk about stuff in practice and not talk about games but or projecting you, ahead. You know, you know what would be so easy to solve that, though, is, like, Dan's probably tired of bad questions. But the way they set it up is you can only ask Dan bad questions. Right. You're, you're not able to learn anything about the team as it plays. They only have two players available for like media availabilities. Like back in like 2010, when people used to cl- complain about Chip Kelly's media access, you could have any player that you wanted any day of the week, as long as he hadn't talked like twice already that week, and right. that included assistant coaches too. And so you could right? Ask, they don't let the assistants yeah. talk once they're in the season. And, and so you could ask a lot of like the dumb like auxiliary stuff that the coach probably doesn't care about to like those guys and learn yeah. about them there, and then you could save more specific stuff for or, like bigger picture stuff for the, the coach. position coaches. Every year I've been around the team have been some of the best quotes. Yeah, no. Because, you know, not that some of the players aren't very articulate with the way they speak, but the assistant coaches are older, more mature, and they don't always have that kind of brashness that the head coach can have. Go go back and watch any of these coaches who have become Oregon's head coach. Watch how they talk to the media as assistant coaches and then watch the it's something changes and I understand why things change, yeah. but it's um Let's talk to the assistants, you know. Do you, the last thing on this, do you think that some of these coaches, especially the young guys, are so caught up with, like, wanting to be legit and respected and building these programs modeled off the ones that they've been assistants at or have seen have success that they feel like they need to take on that, that like I said, that brash persona? Yeah, probably. I mean, like, Dan came up, at, like, in, like, Kirby Smart's, right. like, orbit. Um I also just think, too, is, like, they came up in an era where, like, um, I don't know, they're, like, there's such, like, a public uh, divisive relationship between, like, rep- like media and anybody. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, especially when you're at a school like Oregon that has enough firepower to put out whatever message you want as is, like, you know, there's probably some... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Just like, we don't freaking need you. Like, why do I need to appease? Like, like Dan doesn't seem like somebody who does stuff just for the sake of doing things. Right. So it's just like, if this is wasted energy for me, but is it wasted energy if then this is what we're talking about? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, tough week for Washington. Yeah. 
No. They you were... you broke you broke the news about their running back Cam Davis to me when I got here. Yeah. Um, which is like fine. Like I, I don't know Washington's depth chart super well, but like this guy had like 508 yards last year. I know he was projected to be uh, RB one, but it's still a pass first team. Yeah, exactly. Like as long as like you're reading an injury injury report and it doesn't say Penix Junior, comma Michael. Yeah, <laughs> <You're probably laughs> yeah. Like like they're gonna be okay. Um, the one interesting one though is Jen Cohen leaving for the USC USC job. Yeah, um, I'll let you have the floor. On yeah, this. I have nothing to contribute really. Christian Capel of Onmont Lake had a excellent, excellent like full time. I mean, like comprehensive breakdown of her decision and also her time at Washington. Um, surprising in some ways. The, the gist of Capel's story was that Cohen had always kind of seemed like that she might be angling for something bigger. But I, I what just interests me about all of this is how, how attractive that position is as everyone's doing the conference realignment. Because right. arguably she got Washington to the place that they needed to be. For the next five years, they're going to be at a lesser piece of uh, payout than the rest of the Big Ten schools. Washington's got... A little bit of debt that they have to get out of so it's it's a comp like it's a very attractive position mm-hmm. especially more probably more attractive than it was five years ago um uh, but it'll just be interesting to see what they're able to scoop up with that and then also the other thing that just concerns or part of the argument for these schools of like why we need to move up to this bigger conferences is so we can afford to not be poached or like if right. a school comes in but it's like you're getting up there and you're, you're still getting you're no po- longer stepping stone yeah kind of thing. but yeah. it's just like there, there's still a very clear hierarchy of who views what schools as what absolutely yeah yeah I, I was a little surprised to see that because i feel like when people in those type of roles and this might be kind of painting with a broad stripe, but people in those type of roles, when they're doing their job well, you don't tend to hear about them that often. But then, like, when there's something else going on at the university or there's some scandal or whatever, um, you hear about, like, a Jen Cohen, right? When they're trying to find a new football coach, for example, um, with, with their recent turnover in that position, that's when you hear about um, a person like that. So, you know, I'll be curious to see what happens, but I think it's interesting... Um, the the point you mentioned about she got them where they need to be and then she's leaving is just I don't know that is interesting because Washington Athletics is in a really good spot right now yeah it it also makes me wonder if Oregon should be worried about Rob Mullins at all mm-hmm. because even before all this um, you know we, over the years we've seen Mullins' name floated around like every two or three years I think it was he was a candidate for the Texas A and M vacancy a few years ago yeah. um, I think there was another one sometime before that. He's been with Oregon for a long time. Yeah, um, I still feel like you can. And, 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 and also, I'm not. I'm, no, I, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not trying to say Mullins is going anywhere. But I don't think you're going to get aggregated. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, no one. Yeah, we're 25 minutes into this, man. Like we've lost in it. We've <laughs> lost the aggregators. I just, I, I think at Oregon, especially with the move to the Big Ten, like you can make arguments like, oh, the the football team still a stepping stone, whatever. The, that job of AD. With the success that the basketball teams have had, softball, baseball, track and field, all these teams have had, like that's still like a marquee, marquee job. Yeah. Like top to bottom, those teams at that school. I, I know that's not all that goes into it, it's a money thing too, but there's still not many schools that care about athletics financially the way they do. Bringing this back to the billboard, like the, 
this is why I think Oregon is a unique job in that sense, because again, Oregon is going to be playing at a disadvantage money financially against the Big Ten for the next five, six until the new right. contract negotiations come up. Uh, it was huge that they were able to get Lanning locked up before all this happened and sign that extension that brings him on par with what his peers are making. But also, like if you're Lanning and you have potential down the road for whatever, like it probably means a fair amount to you too that like. You work for the school who like put the freaking billboard up yeah. somewhere, <laughs> like I, like like that, yeah. especially in the places that they did, like putting one in Dallas in like the heart of college football like country, like that's huge. Yeah, and and people saying again, we're going full circle with the billboard thing here, but people making it about the immediate, like about Bo Nix and about him maybe winning Heisman, I think are completely um, wrong. I think if anything, what that billboard will do in the near future is okay. Bo Nix is gone this offseason. They'll need a new quarterback. Who knows about Ty Thompson? Yeah. You had a different, like, if I'm a transfer with Washington. I, I want to be on that. I want to be on that billboard, right? Yeah. yeah. And you're like, okay, I go to a program that's established. Look at what Bo Nix did. And in one year, he became a fan favorite. Granted, he played very well. Enough to where they're putting billboards. And I'm like, hell yeah, I want to do that. Um, The only other bit of news before we're going to do a, we're going to wrap up by doing a. Guess what? Another draft. Another draft. Uh, DJU was named Oregon State starting quarterback today. Uh, not a shocker. No. I know during the spring, some people were a little bit concerned of how it, he didn't look like that much heads and tails above everybody else. But I think at the end of the day, former five He was star, always going to start. He was always going to start. He's also a former five-star athlete who has yeah. played a lot of football in his career. We like As much as like I wrote about Childs, partly in the spring game one and then a separate piece... I did so knowing that. Yeah, well, well, I mean, and, and like I think that's how you kind of pen the child's piece yeah. too. Is just like he, he's probably not going to be the guy this year, but uh, I, I think this is the absolute best case scenario for for Oregon State here because like I, I think Childs is going to be good. Like yeah. I, I think he's going to be a good football player, and that just means that DJU didn't come in, like didn't come in and just assume that this job was his right. and kind of just take the role yeah well that leads us right into our draft because that's a team that i'm sure will take very high in this draft all right we're going to take a quick break then we're going to come back with our pac-12 season draft all right we're back here on the i5 corridors traffic report we're going to end instead of doing a weekly power rankings and schedule prediction we're just going to get it out of, or not prediction but uh, a results predictions we're just going to get it out of the way here at the start there are 12 teams in the Pac-12. We're going to go one by one. You pick one. And at the end of the year, their total record, sum of all parts. We're going to keep track of this. We're gonna, I'm, I'm going to keep track okay. of this because we're going to put something on it. What are, okay. you, what are you willing to part with? An item. An item. Actually, 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 let's put dinner on it. Well, I was going to say that. Yes, yeah. way more Yeah, let's, let's, put, let's put dinner on it. And because it's my, my company... We'll do we'll do like a little like two to one odds where like mm. my, wherever I take you has to be above like a four or five on Yelp, oh, yeah. and wherever you take me has to be of like a three five. Like the corner, like the whole in the wall taco spot. I'll yeah. take you to. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so for first pick, should I have Siri flip a coin then? No, no. You know what? You're gonna give it to I'll, me. I'll even hold on. I should I should probably write this down. Shane Hoffman's losing team. All right, go ahead. All right. So you didn't spring this on me last minute but i also didn't use the time you gave me to do too much that's, thought that's the, that's the corridor way baby yeah, and, and also by the way we're doing complete season record including non-conference 
Including non-conference. Yeah. Okay. Well, I've also memorized every single schedule. Yeah, I'm sure. Team, I'm sure. So I'll be good there. I'm taking USC. Okay. Um, it's not a lock by any means, but in my opinion, they have the best player in college football. I don't see their offense taking a step back at all because they reloaded the spots they lost. Um, a lot of the issues with that team that we worried about at this time a year ago, like the trenches, I think they've had time to get new guys in at. And I would find it hard to believe the defense is worse this year. However, however, the one thing that worries me is they had such good turnover differential um, I don't want to call it luck, but uh, statistically last season, one of the best, if not the best in the nation, I believe. At one point it was. That could come back down to earth, but for just doing win-loss, I still like the Trojans. Okay. But you could make an argument for four teams, other teams. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm going to pick Oregon here. I, I think they have a lot of things that need to go right. Or there's a lot of question marks around this team, especially on such a def- or on a defense that's been retooled as much as theirs is. Um, it's going to take me to like December to know all the names of every dude who joined the secondary for them <laughs> last year. Um, but I, I like the... I mean, one, like their defensive front is has a ton of depth with Dorless, Birch, Popo Amaves back and healthy. in the interior. Yeah, area. and then... Uh, just like the the kind of the evolution into becoming a linebacking unit that has just a lot of speed, mm-hmm. um, I, I just there were just so many times last year where it looked like Oregon was missing guys because they were slow or they were stiff or whatever. I, I I'm optimistic about that defense, and I think their offense is as good as anybody in the conference. So I'm gonna go Oregon here. So I texted you about a week ago because some of the AP polls and stuff were starting to come out. Maybe two weeks ago at this point, um, and Oregon's fifteenth on it, and so they are the fourth Pac-12 team behind USC at 6, Washington at 10, Utah at 14. Um, Morton State's right behind them at 18. And our last podcast, I did that thing where I wasn't sure what Oregon's thing was. Not 100% the identity, but I didn't know what their thing was. But I also caveated it and said... Does that say that again? Uh, I had a caveat in there. <laughs> um, where I said uh, I didn't think that wasn't going to mean that they couldn't be really, really good still. Uh And now I think they are actually underrated. I think they're better than 15 because they bring back a top five quarterback in the nation. Their best skill position players are back. Yes, the line is somewhat concerning, but I I think it's the right mix of high-level transfers and guys that have knowledge already of a system that was great and had reps already, like a Jackson Powers Johnson, whatever. And then the defense, again, like USC can't really be worse than it was last year. Um, I mean, it could, but that would be... Record, yeah, I've been, I've, been, I've been around a little bit longer than you <laughs> have. I've, I've seen some pretty bad Oregon defenses. Right. Um, but I, I just think like the, the pedigree of, on paper of the guys that they now have like at all positions on that unit like would make me think that they will just be better this year. And a little bit better defense mixed with a healthy Bonix. Like I went back and like went through the series of events with the Bonex injury in my head and, like, what that ended up affecting. Like, they really is could have been a playoff team last year. Yeah, well, I appreciate you defending my pick here so Absolutely. wholeheartedly. So. so this, I think the third spot, because I think USC and Oregon were probably my one, too. You could make the uh, argument Washington was in there. But this pick is, like, a really hard spot for me because there's uh, there's those three teams, Washington, Utah, and US, uh, OSU, still floating for me. 
Oh. Um, <laughs> I think I'm going to go... Oh. I think I'm going to go with the Beavers. Okay. You know, a little bit of toss-up here. Um, I just, like, trust them. I just think they're going to be a pain in the ass to play in November. Really, the whole season. Um, they've got some tough matchups. But I just think they're constructed really well. And I kind of, I just, it's a gut feeling. Yeah. No, that, that, yeah, that's nothing fair. Nothing really more than that. Um, they also have a nice schedule. Yeah, yeah. It, it You know, they play, everyone's going to play hard teams this year, but. Yeah, but they get, they open up. I mean, they could legitimately start out 4-0 heading into Utah because they, they start with San Jose State, then have UC Davis, then have San Diego State, and then Washington State. Like, yeah, I think it's likely. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's that's a good pick. Um, I'm going to go Utah here at number four, mainly because I've learned too many times over the years that when you forget about Utah... I was just say we couldn't leave them out of our top four. Yeah, like... Yeah. like I, I still can't believe that, like, there's not as much national discussion about Kyle Whittingham as, like, is you never hear that name nationally. And, like, that dude just produces uh, good good luck with that Big 12 because the, yeah. the, the, U, the Utes came out here and, you know, went basically stride for stride with Oregon over the last 10 years in terms of... Also, the type of football they play, yeah. you could drop them in any. Yeah, if, if, basically, if, if if Cam Rising's healthy and that that offense has some go to it, their defense is returning like eight starters from last year. Yeah, yeah like they're, I'm I'm pretty happy with my pick. And yeah, yeah, I don't blame you. And it, it also could be where they lose two games randomly, like shootouts, but then it, they still get their chance, like they did to like get into the. Well, it's it sets up just like last year because I'm pretty sure they open with Florida. Yeah. 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 In Utah this year. Yeah, Florida Baylor first two weeks of the season. That's I don't actually know how Baylor is this year, but I, I'm not sure Florida's gonna be all that this year either, but Yeah, but it's it's two power five programs. Yeah, like yeah. those are good yeah. uh preseason reps comparably. Or uh non conference reps, excuse me. Alright, you're on the clock. Uh gotta take Washington here. Um the thing about that third pick is as much as I might live to regret either my USC or OSU one in those spots, I get Washington, who I still think could, despite the Jen Cohen stuff, despite the yeah. Jen, Jen, Jen Cohen doesn't throw a very good spiral. No, so. I don't think she'd be great on you know. But you know who does defense either per se. Penix Junior. Comma Michael. Yeah, I'm gonna put my faith in him. Defense had a lot of injuries last year. They have a pretty good pass rush. I, one of their guys I've seen on some of the All-American lists, Braylon Trice. They've got a great safety in Austin Turner. See, I've been doing a tiny bit of research. You see me? Yeah, look at um, you. Look at, you. Look at us. I, I mean, look they have us. the best. I, like, I think it's right up there with USC's, but I think they probably, in a conference with a lot of good receivers, have the best group. So I'll take Washington. Okay. That's a good pick. I'm, I'm happy for you there. Well, we got out of the easy five. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go... UCLA with my third pick. Okay, I like that. I don't actually know their roster super well. I didn't do my homework unlike you, but I did see a quote like two weeks ago from Chip Kelly where he was just talking like very highly about his offense. Mm-hmm. And Chip's not really one to go out of his way to, you know, throw gas on something just for the sake of seeing a fire. Um, they've always been that team the last like three or four years where 
I mean, hell, last year it was they were what were they ranked when when they came into Eugene? It was a top. They were ahead. I want to say they were eleven. It was like a top. It was yeah. It was it was a it was a substantial matchup, and I know obviously you're replacing like a four year starting quarterback, but oh, they were ten and the Ducks were eleven, I think, or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. Um, but UCLA had a good recruiting class. They got a hell of a freshman quarterback. I don't know if he's going to win that job or not, right. but um, I, I think it would be poetic if the Pac-12 ended with like chip on top. Yeah. And I, I'm not saying that like they're going to be on top, but I think he I think he's going to get his this year. No, I like that pick a lot. And here's where it starts to get difficult because I would have taken US, uh, UCLA there as well. Um, Who else is in the Pac-12? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, looking up teams. Uh, it's for me here. It's between Washington State and Cal. Where's Arizona's there too? This is a little tricky. I'm gonna go. Washington State. I like that. I like that pick. Um, I just don't ask me why I like that pick, but it, okay. I just I just you wanted just to have yeah, to say it. It sounds it sounds supportive. Cam Ward's still there. Yeah, he. That's why I like that pick. He's, um, a, he's a good good player. I yeah, he was erratic, but I think he'll be better in year two. I think they probably have some uh, some fuck you in them with all the stuff Jake Dickard's been saying and just the way he coaches. Defense loses a lot of key guys in the front seven, but I don't know. I think they got some pieces, and they're always a pain in the ass to play. So in the final season of the Pac-12, I'm sure they'll upset one of those top few teams on the road. Um, I think I'm going to go with our first big curveball here. Oh, I'm going to go Cal. Cal, okay. You know that they were in contention. Yeah. I as much as Oregon fans like to do like dunk on Justin Wilcox for some reason because he didn't like the stipulations under what Oregon tried to hire him at. Um, he's still a former duck. He's still a, I, I still think he's a really good coach. I think he's, I, I think like Kalen DeBoer's success in, in Seattle is maybe how it would have looked uh, here at Oregon, but they got like 10 starters back. They got a new offensive coordinator. If they can get back to, to having some sort of an offense, like Wilcox teams always are pretty. Yeah, skill guys. Yeah. it's just about quarterback really, yeah. and, and the willingness to open it up. I think. Yeah, so I, I, I'm as much as I, I like the thought also of like the Chip Kelly returning to dominance there. I wouldn't mind seeing like Cal and Stanford have a little bit of that fu too, where mm. you, were, you were talking. About. So everyone goes six and six. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, I love how the board played out for me. I'm taking Arizona. See, uh, see I wanted you to do that because because right, you want someone else. Yeah. Um, Jane Delore's back. They got. Tell me about him. <laughs> or not. Um, they've got some great receivers. Their offense was great last year, and another team was just a putrid defense. Um, it's almost like there's like a lot of good offenses in the league that these defenses have to play. Um, but they added a few guys, including our own Justin Flo. Big fan of uh, his. See what he does down there. So I'll take Arizona. I think they were. On the fringe, they were they were on the fringe of, of bull eligibility last year, and I, I think they are uh, right back there this year. Okay, I like their coach. Yeah. Um, speaking of coaches, I'm going to take Arizona State next. Mm. Um, true freshman, won true freshman quarterback. He, I, I think it's huge that he that Rashada won that job. Uh, this was one of the most talked about quarterback recruits in the country last year because of the money that he wasn't getting from mm. where was it Florida and then Miami and now uh, yeah. over to Arizona State. So I'm assuming he's pretty talented. I also just think that having a coach who 
completely embraces every part of being a college football coach, unlike Herman Edwards beforehand, who yeah. ran, ran yeah. like the whole like coach by delegation system or yeah. whatever the hell it was. Um, they had a decent recruiting class. I think they were like 35th overall in the country, like not stellar, but getting that quarterback's huge. I like Dillingham's energy. I Did think... you just look that up, the recruiting class? No. <laughs> no, not at all. This is why we don't put this on, on the YouTube. The YouTube. How old am I? Uh... <laughs> Yeah, you probably you weren't around when it was the the Facebook dot com. No, yeah. I don't think you so. Pro- you're probably not even on Facebook. You're too young. I have an account. I don't use it ever. Yeah. Um, where were we? Oh yeah, Arizona State. Um, Dillingham is a coach who completely understands the importance of like the narrative and momentum and yeah. like just making impressions. Seems like a guy you'd want coaching you if you were a true freshman quarterback starting on a Power Five team. Yeah. So I think they have some talent. I think the coach has something to prove. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, all right. That's so. So let's do a quick recap here because there are two teams left. Yeah. Shane's sitting in here with USC, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State, and Arizona. Tyson's coming in with Oregon, Utah, UCLA, Cal, and Arizona State. And you're gonna have Stanford too. <laughs> um, I'm taking Colorado. That's kind of a no-brainer for me. Yeah. I don't think that Colorado is gonna be great, but. I think it's very likely they win more games than Sanford, who I think would be good in the next few years. But I think kind of undoubtedly in the preseason poll should be the last team in the Pac-12. I yeah. don't think that's a hot take. It, and, you know, that's no, you know, hating on... I'm not trying to hate on them. I just, they don't have a good roster and they have a lot of coach turnover. I, I think that, and I'll be taking Stanford here. Um, Great, good pick. And I'm, I'm going to take... I'm, I'm taking SMU, actually. <laughs> Um, San Diego State. The what's happened to Stanford is just as someone who followed a lot of early 2010s Oregon football, like the kind of the falling apart of the Stanford program, which has made it not a rivalry at all within the last like several years, and probably won't return to a rivalry again with whatever conference they end Dude, up the, in. The last good like Stanford team was my freshman year of college. Yeah, it, five it, years ago. It, it's been quite some time, and if you go back, like those are probably some of the most memorable games in Oregon history. Um, and I know Stanford gets clowned on too for like their stadium and, you know, just all the different quirks that come with being one of the best academic schools in the country. But some of those road games, like at the farm coming down to like the final minutes, final plays, like that was a spectacular atmosphere. And that university was super proud of that team. David Shaw had this status of that was almost unassailable, like around the country too. Of just like mm-hmm. whenever anyone would talk about top coaches in the country, it was like you always had to throw David Shaw in there. Um, it's how William should be. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's yeah, it's just. And I, I think a lot of this has to do also with just the way college football is headed too, with like how recruiting heavy it's been and how it's kind of hard to just build a team. Um, and when you're Stanford, you have a lot more stipulations uh, that you have to deal with but uh Oregon Stanford used to like Oregon Stanford is one of the great rivalries in the Pac-12 of the 2000s and now Stanford is batting six on my roster and 12th overall yeah (laughs) I like mine I I I wonder if I'll regret you 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 have a lot more firepower in yours I do um you're kind of you. You have three teams that could win the conference. Conference. I have two teams that can win the conference. We each have well, yeah. UCLA is the best of the rest, and then I think I have the number one 
knock off a good team pest in Washington State. And I just like, like, if Arizona and Colorado are, like, my five and six, like, that's a strong rotation. I like what we have coming off the bench, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, like, uh, yeah, one through the lineup, one through six in the lineup, they're all batting, like, 300 high on base percentage. I'm going to start researching some restaurants. I ate, uh, I had a really good lunch today. Tell me. Omar's gyro. Gyro. For... I haven't found much good Greek food here. I haven't looked. Dude, random, randomly here in like North Portland, and and granted, I, my uh, no one should take my reviews on Greek food. I've had maybe Greek food like in like four other in- instances okay. outside of this neighborhood, other than like I like getting a gyro at a fair, <laughs> you know, or something. Well, it is gyro. Yeah, I know. But okay, it's fun to say gyro because oh, it is. Okay, um, I didn't know if you went back and forth the other time on either. Yeah. Um. Anyways, it was really good. I got I got a I got a beef gyro. Mm. Keep uh, it classic, simple. A little, they they put in a little bit of hot sauce in there too, and yeah. it was. Whew. Do you like shawarmas? Yeah, a little bit. Not uh, not not like a, I'm not like a huge shawarma. I love anyway. hot sauce in those, like a, a nice like Frank's or Tabasco. Okay. Don't ask me why, but I just think it hits the spot. Any any food you've consumed lately? Yeah, um, went to this birria place by my side of town. Beeria PDX or something. It's just a kind of a small little place, but they have all sorts of crazy things. It's it's almost like stoner food. Like when you walk in, it's like everything on the menu like looks really similar. It's like case of taco, and like it's like it's like an upscale Taco Bell almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's really tasty, um, and it's pretty cheap actually. So that was good. Um, back in town, so ripping the Blackstone a few times in the backyard. Yeah. Uh, made some fried rice on that. Gonna maybe grill up later tonight. Did you tell me you got a Blackstone? Yeah. Okay. A few pods Did ago. we Did we pod about that? We, we did yeah. the whole... I think it was right I, I, at the start of summer. I don't listen to them. Yeah, fair enough. Um, is, okay, so yeah. Blackstone question. Yeah, please. How's, how is the overall experience on it versus like the first time you used it where you're like, this is awesome. It's, I've almost, seen this on TV. My friends have used them. I'm going right. to cook so many things on here. It, it's dope. I, I, I think that... I know how to use it better now. It's 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 hard to take care of because it's like a just a massive, like cast iron pan almost. Yeah, which is hard to take care of. Um, and sometimes I wish I had a real grill with the grates and you can get the smokiness in there. Yeah. But other times it's just a nice excuse to be outside, and I, I honestly wonder as if we get into fall and even late fall, because it's kind of covered. It's it won't get rained on where we have it. Like if I'm just going to be out there for the sake of being out there, and that'll be nice. Like when it's nine, oh, yeah, when absolutely. it's ninety degrees, like I don't really want like that heat in my face yeah. to cook like eggs. But you know, okay, that's been nice. Um, other new spot. I can't remember if we potted about this or not, but the the new Double Mountain Brewery. Yeah. Oh, we've oh we've potted about oh, okay. it. And you sent me what was the heirloom tomato pizza you got? Oh yeah. Okay, so I went, I've I've been back since, and I got that heirloom tomato pizza. Good. Elite. Elite. What made it so good? Is good crust? What are we talking? The, about? It's it's a, it's a it's a good thin crust with a good crunch to it. Mm. Uh, the tomatoes are just perfectly ripe. Heirloom. They got a heirloom. Heirloom. Uh, they got a they got a little uh, balsamic on there. It's just a nice a little bit of saltiness too. And okay. Ooh. Okay. Are you a are you a big crust guy? Big time. Because that's really the reason I eat pizza. Yeah. So I love like a good. My favorite ever pizza is this random spot in Michigan way up north in this small town and it's because you get this one it was called the shroom mama so a bunch of like veggies and mushrooms and stuff and then the crust is this like it's almost like what you see like a loaded like 
garlic parmesan butter crust at like a little caesar's or something but it's just like way way better <laughs> version i just a good crust is just impossible to beat i like detroit style for that same reason yeah not a big deep dish guy the the, the oregonian is kind of anti detroit style they michael russell their excellent food reviewer put out a story like two weeks ago reviewing a new detroit style place mm. and he's like portland like we have to have this conversation we don't need any more Detroit style pizza places in town, and yeah. well, it's also almost as if they're two thousand five hundred miles away, <laughs> cooking Detroit style pizza. Yeah, uh, there are some pretty damn good ones in town, though. Yeah, we, yeah. Like, I, I haven't been to. I don't really eat pizza out that much, and I should because there's so many. You, spots. you should go check out because I doubt you've been up there yet. But you should go check out the new Vancouver waterfront. I've been meaning to, and go to. Um, the the Ruse Crust Collective. You've told me about it before. How do you spell that? R-U-S-E. This is great podcasting, yeah. by the way. Crust Collective. Well, all of our yeah. listeners can look at Yeah, and, and tell them the I-5 corridor sent you. <laughs> so it confuses the hell out of them. Bewildered some poor college-age yeah. server. All right. Well, uh, I think that's about all we got. It's We'll be back this game week next week. That's... Two weeks from now? No, that's next week. Next week. Right, I yeah. knew that. Yeah, no, we're... I'm going down there. I yeah, knew that. Yeah, we're on it. All right, well, hey, hey, thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, for everyone who's been along for this ride for the last two years, uh, really, really appreciate it. Um, Put out a piece. Yeah, I'll, I'll write something, but the the corridor's still growing. We're, we're hanging in there and, and looking forward to uh, joining all the other substacks of the Big Ten. So, uh, i5corridor.com, check us out, maybe give us a sub. Maybe. Or, uh, you know, if you don't want to spend money, at least give us like a five-star review on iTunes. We'll talk to you later. Corridor out.